0: Chapter Four of Book Seven of Les Miserables, Volume Two by Victor Hugo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ruth Golding. Les Miserables, Volume Two by Victor Hugo. Translated by Isabel Florence Hapgood. Book Seventh. Chapter 4 The Convent from the Point of View of Principles Men unite themselves and dwell in communities. By virtue of what right? By virtue of the right of association. They shut themselves up at home. By virtue of what right? By virtue of the right which every man has to open or shut his door. They do not come forth by virtue of what right? By virtue of the right to go and come, which implies the right to remain at home. There, at home, what do they do? They speak in low tones, they drop their eyes, they toil. They renounce the world, towns, sensualities, pleasures, vanities, pride, interests they are clothed in coarse woolen or coarse linen. Not one of them possesses in his own right anything whatever. On entering there, each one who was rich makes himself poor. What he has he gives to all. He who was what is called noble, a gentleman and a lord, is the equal of him who was a peasant. The cell is identical for all all undergo the same tonsure, wear the same frock, eat the same black bread, sleep on the same straw, die on the same ashes. The same sack on their backs, the same rope around their loins. If the decision has been to go barefoot, all go barefoot. There may be a prince among them. That prince is the same shadow as the rest. No titles. Even family names have disappeared. They bear only first names. All are bowed beneath the equality of baptismal names. They have dissolved the carnal family, and constituted in their community a spiritual family. They have no other relatives than all men. They succour the poor. They care for the sick. They elect those whom they obey. They call each other my brother you stop me and exclaim but that is the ideal convent it is sufficient that it may be the possible convent that i should take notice of it thence it results that in the preceding book i have spoken of a convent with respectful accents the middle ages cast aside asia cast aside the historical and political question held in reserve From the purely philosophical point of view, outside the requirements of militant policy, on condition that the monastery shall be absolutely a voluntary matter, and shall contain only consenting parties, I shall always consider a cloistered community with a certain attentive, and in some respects a deferential, gravity. Wherever there is a community, there is a commune, where there is a commune, there is right. The monastery is the product of the formula equality-fraternity. Oh, how grand is liberty, and what a splendid transfiguration! Liberty suffices to transform the monastery into a republic. Let us continue. But these men, or these women who are behind these four walls, they dress themselves in coarse woolen, they are equals, they call each other brothers, that is well. But they do something else? Yes. What? They gaze on the darkness, they kneel and they clasp their hands. What does this signify? End of Book Seventh, Chapter Four. Recording by Ruth Golding.